Hidely Hoadly Podcast Doritos. What is going on? Welcome back to the Maham Cam Podcast, a fortnightly philosophy and lifestyle podcast. I've been messing around with a couple of taglines lately and trying to figure out exactly what it is that I've been doing this entire time. And I've settled on practical wisdom for everyday life. It's always talking about ideas, people's personal philosophies, people's personal stories, people's expertise. But the point of it is trying to harness it for the person listening, you, so that you can improve your life with it, so that you can grow, so that you can develop, so that you can have a more meaningful existence. Because that's a win-win for me. I think everybody needs that. And I would love if we could bring a little bit more of that to the world. So this particular podcast uh, is with Jared Mannix Flynn. Uh, Mannix is an old friend who I've known for basically my entire life. Um, he's a author, playwright, Irish politician, a documentary maker, a great orator, and a very principled man who's influenced me a lot in terms of his views on culture, which is what this is about, this particular talk. Um, exploring what it is that we call culture. What are the arts? Why do they matter? What are we really fighting for? Looking at the recent uh, cobblestones protests, um, different generational views of what culture means, what we should be fighting for, how we should be fighting, and um, what is the Irish national culture now? And Mannix has a huge amount of experience and great insight into this particular topic. So I really enjoyed speaking with him, and I, I'm sure everybody else will gain a lot from it as well. So without further ado, here's the podcast. Oh. Manix Flynn, welcome to the podcast. Mr. McCann, Mr. Mahan McCann, thank you very much for the invitation. Man, it's This is another one that's been on the list for quite some time. I think since like the very start, probably. Um, and I just finished, uh, last night, I finished watching Land Without God, your documentary, which I encourage anybody to go and see. I don't. Th it's not on RTE Player, I got it on YouTube. I don't know if there's anywhere else you want people to go to look at it, but... Um, it's Jesus, yeah. Twenty minutes in, I was already in tears. Like it's, it's a serious piece of work. How long ago was it that you finished it? We only finished that about eighteen months ago, two years ago. It took ten years to make the whole. Wow. Ten years making, yeah. you know what I mean? Between what people, between dealing with the difficult subject that it was, the institution uh, imprisonment of tens of thousands of people, to the residential institutions, mother and baby homes, Magdalene Laundries, industrial schools, reform schools, mental institutions, prisons. It was a big trawl, you know, through trauma mm. and through one family trauma. So it was the first time, you know, the family, you know what I mean, you know, my family had ever actually discussed it or even you know, uh, allowed it to enter into their lives, even though it had dominated, you know, um, almost 100 years of their lives. I mean, in terms of the incarceration, when you consider every member of the family, the total amount of time spent in institutions was, was in excess of 100 years. 
between and and they were only some members of the family, the big extended family and cousins, aunts and uncles. They didn't they didn't participate. We wouldn't have had the time. So, you know, it is a a a a, a snapshot and a social history uh, of what the church and the state did uh, to poor people, to women and children, uh, and basically how they attempted to annihilate them. So it was classist in many respects and deeply prejudiced, you know what I mean, like along the same lines as um, sexism and racism, you know what I mean, classism, you know what I mean, uh, and, 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 you know, when you think, you know what I mean, that this was the church at the centre of this uh, and the state, you know what I mean, and to think that the state indemnified all of the perpetrators. Uh, so it took 10 years to do, 10 years for people to come to terms with, you know, because it was the first time that people had realised just how traumatic their lives were, you know, because people have a great tendency to kind of, um, to look upon their childhood and, you know, think, oh, well, I had a relatively happy childhood. Uh, and then when you actually ask them, well, what does that mean? And how, how did that, then they begin to actually begin to understand that they weren't really all that happy. And that that, that applies to a lot of people not just those that were in the institutions who were given a horrendous time, uh, but also, uh, uh, you know, across society. You know, childhood and what happened in our childhood, uh, it really deeply affects us into our lives. And so Land Without God uh, was a, 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 a poetic journey uh, to a landscape of a family and a family's history uh, for the first time. Uh, so it was an important work. It had come on the back of a lot of work that I'd done in terms of written work, books, plays, uh, and also documentary and also um, activism or actionism, as I like to say, rather than activism, because I'm not like, mad about the word of activism, but actionism that I've been involved with uh, for the past 50 odd years and well into my childhood. Uh, you know, I've been involved in awareness and consciousness that something was deeply amiss uh, and struggled with that and uh, and made that my struggle throughout my life, including, as I say, taking on the state, taking on the church, spending many years of my life as a child in their institutions uh, and emerging in my 20s to go into the arts world, uh, which were deeply institutionalised, you know what I mean, and deeply prejudiced. And while most people think, hey, the arts are wonderful, they're amazing, uh, I didn't find that so. I find art amazing and I find making art and making culture pretty good. But the art community and the administrative community uh, that administered the arts and the institutions of the arts, like, you know, national theatres, national galleries and national orchestras, you know, you'll always find when you go in there that it's a civil service land and there's a certain kind of, there's a certain deep institutionalization and prejudice that prevails. That clicky nature so, of it. And with something I said of this, something that really stuck out to me while watching it was the, the difficulty of, I suppose, communicating to people the horror of what went on. I, the whole thing, it was the poetry of it it sort of fit together almost in a way that was larger than what the stories, the individual stories, when you kind of put them together, I started to see something, but did you find it difficult? You know, like, how do I explain this to people? Like, was that something that you motivated you to become an artist was trying to articulate, you know, the horror of that experience and how deep it was because it, it's so alien to most people's experience that, 
it seems like it would require such skill to communicate it. I wonder what you think about that. Well, most people try and find their lives and live their lives avoiding things, uh, particularly their own pain. So therefore, they transfer that pain into activism or becoming kind of involved in someone else's lives or getting involved in charity or getting involved in other people's struggles, so to speak. You know, um, you know so it's difficult for people uh, to basically comprehend the kind of work uh, that, I, that, I, that I actually do. Uh, when we were dealing with this, it was deeply triggering, that's for sure. Yeah. There wasn't a day when I was working on it where I, I didn't have to really get my balance right. And I would be fairly well trained in therapies and I'd be fairly well trained and would, would use, you know, a myriad of um, therapeutics, um, including, you know, uh, movement, you know, somewhat a bit of martial art, you know, what I mean, in, the, in just in terms of its movement and the way it, it flexes. Also, you know, what I mean, emotional work. I would, I would, I would still have studied Gabo Mate uh, and in compassion inquiry. I, I would have done years of of, of therapies with, with various people, and even at that, um, all it does is make me present in the pain. But it doesn't. The pain is not me. It's not dominating me. It's just there. What was difficult for me, I suppose, and those who made the work with me, was that while we were in the presence of people realising what had happened to them for the first time, realising what had happened to them, that was revelation. And that in itself needed a safe place. So we needed to be really safe with the people. We needed to make sure that the people that we were working with, which were my family, were well held and secure and could stop at any time. And some of them stopped and didn't come back for two years. Because of what they actually, what their what their ears had heard coming out of their mouth, which they'd never heard before, because they'd never said it to anybody. So for a member of the family to be asking them what happened, what way did it make them feel, what way are they now, you know, uh, you know, you know, interview after interview after interview, which lasted up to four and five hours, some of the interviews before we edited them, we thousands of hours of footage. So what we were actually doing was performing a kind of um, a, a therapeutic moment and a, and a, and a counselling moment where, where people where people were safe and there was pain and there was there was tears and there was trauma, not just felt by my family but also felt by the people who I was working with, um, Maeve McMahon and Lotta Patrick. They they had to step out a couple of times to to look at what was going on and and what was going on in themselves, not to. Uh, projected onto the person who was speaking, but because these are your feelings, you can't say, "Oh, these are their feelings," you know, because we weren't caretaking. So there was a lot of stuff, and most people, as I say, don't want to hear the horror story. They don't want to, you know, um, go where it is. You know, what I mean, they, 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 they want to try and find a, an antidote to that. But it's so important to be present with this stuff. You know, it's so important to be to not dress it up, not to turn it into drama, not to turn it into documentary. And as it says in the documentary itself, we 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 make this journey. We go into this journey. We own this journey and we share it with yourselves. In many other cases, someone else doing this kind of work would package it and sell it like some sort of Netflix crap or some sort of sensationalism crap. So you end up with kind of like, you know, you know, uh, the story of Philomena, or you end up with, you know, I mean, the Magdalene sisters, which are entertainment, uh, which are sentimentalized, and they're not really, you know, the real thing uh, in that sense. You know, they take a story and they turn it into a commodity. 
what we were trying to do was was take something, keep the politics of it alive, keep the actual of it alive, uh, and, and 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 deliver something that was never delivered before, and not sell it short, and not kind of you know allow ourselves to be uh, brought into the cinema circus or the fi- or the film festival circus or any of that fucking shit. You know what I mean? Um, and this was again designed for people like me. It was designed for people who basically were coming out of that class, who were coming out of that process to be able to see something authentic because our lives are not um, uh, portrayed by us. We're not allowed. We're looking for our history. We have someone else's written. Yeah, that was something that came Somebody, up a lot in it, which was the kind of untold story or the story. I, had, I wrote down one of the lines from it. I think it was the, you know, history isn't recorded here. Or history isn't. I'm not sure if you remember exactly what it was, but history doesn't happen here because nobody's telling the story or nobody's kind of keeping a record of it. Yeah, our lives didn't matter. I mean, the lives don't matter. You know, the ruling classes, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, they don't matter. You know, I mean, many middle class women handed up their children or their children were taken often to be thrown into the institutions. And, you know, what I mean, like, you know, but it's very, very difficult for them to journey back in there. Yeah. So our lives and the lives of the working classes on the Falls Road or the Shankill Road, they don't really matter uh, in other aspects of Northern Ireland. You know what I mean? They don't really matter that much. Or even down here in the South, you know, the lives of the working classes and the poor and the homeless and the addicts and those that were in the institutions only matter, you know, in terms of appeasement or charity or gifting the money. They're not, they're not seen as full citizens and they're excluded and there isn't an equality around them. You know what I mean? And when it comes to the issue of sexual abuse, institutionalized abuse, state abuse, well, then we all know exactly what went on in the North, in the collusions that went on. The same collusions in the South were akin in the institutions. They colluded to cover it up. They colluded to indemnify themselves. And even to the present day, with the mother and baby homes issue, people were excluded uh, from from the schemes because they weren't in the place six months. Well, you know, if you're in a place six months, you can be traumatized in an hour that will leave you traumatized for the rest of your fucking life. So the idea that you're going to exclude people because they weren't in the mother and baby homes for six months, the most important part of your life is the, the moment you're born and you, your mother's eyes mirror you and you're getting that nurture. That wasn't the gift of many people. And it wasn't the gift of many people because of the attitude of the Catholic Church, backed up by the state who basically were, like, you know what I mean, the, the Taliban and ISIS were in the halfpenny place when it came to this country and the manner in which the religious, all religious, you know what I mean, throughout the history behaved. And in the, in the Republic, you know, since the foundation of the state, I mean, if you look on the legacy, which is now uh, two, 100 years uh, in, in the making next year, it's a sorry state, you know, and my family and my class, and many other individuals suffered immense wrongs and immense injustices uh, in, 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 in this state. And the religious congregations that perpetrated this monstrous act on us also perpetrated that same act on the Aborigine people, on the First Nations people of Canada, and on, you know what I mean, the, 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 the African-American population of America and anywhere they could get their Magdalene laundries up. So, so, so to go back to that particular, you know, again, you know, this is not just an issue that's set around one family in Dublin. This is a global issue that impacts entirely across continents. And it's outrageous that 
an international police inquiry hasn't happened, that this organised criminality hasn't happened, because because again, at the end of the day, the same issue is at, is at large here, that these people are trying to do their best. So it's any wonder that the vast yeah. people find it very difficult to be able to digest this stuff. And that's why Netflix and the like are full of entertainment violence. People want to see this as entertainment, you know, uh, where it's all dressed up uh, and, and, and there's that value. The, the, it's important, as I say, that, you know, our history wasn't recorded in the manner it should have been. But now it is recorded in Land Without God. And that film gets seen around the world. Uh, and as I say, again, putting that out there, we would, you know, put it out there in the manner that wouldn't see it being oversold in that sense. So it's it's received a lot of attention, you know, but we're not in, yeah. we're not in the business of like, you know, bling. Um, and as I said, you know. You're not trying to sensationalise yeah. the story. And... And, it, and it made the difference and it got across the point, you know, that's, 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 that's for sure. And, you know, it, it is, it is, and it does work because it's a poetic, creative piece of culture and it is a piece of art, but it doesn't compromise the story or sell the story short or the truth. Hmm. There's a lot in there, Jesus, so many strings to kind of pick up on. There was one thing that you were saying about that really stuck out to me in the documentary, which was the you kind of mentioned it there, the light. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Sorry, the, yeah, the light that you talked about, you know, what being in that horrendous state in a place that was so cruel and devoid of anything that there was a light that you kind of held on to, kind of like the love of your family. Hello, I'm here. Yeah, oh, sorry, it seems like the camera's gone off. Um, yeah, that that light that you talked about, I thought that was really it was really interesting because it kind of reminded me of Victor Frankl's A Man's Search for Meaning. Um, that the, in some way you could find some beauty even though it was such a horrendous situation. Is that something, would you agree with that? Or is that something that, you know, does that seem like uh, something that you experienced? Or is that just me kind of assuming? No, I, I, you know, I, you know, I, 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 you know I, I really do think, you know what I mean, that there was a huge amount of feelings and there was a huge amount of, you know, genuine presence of human being and human suffering there, as well as the the bigger picture of the essence of the individual shining out. That besides, besides all of what happened, and it was pretty horrendous, the actual essence of the person was intact. And therefore, all of the traumatic events, which were a shell that covers over to protect your essence, was very much true. So... You know, there is this light there and there is this huge love there. You know what I mean? And there is that understanding that simply is, as I say, larger than life. The Jewish population had this, you know what I mean, through their long journey uh, out of slavery, this particular sense of humor and a particular sense of character. Uh, you know, uh, and, and certainly the working classes have this and certainly women who suffer, you know what I mean, you know, you know sexism have that capacity. We all have that capacity to, to reach out. And certainly, you know, Northern Ireland, you know what I mean, having gone through what it's gone through, has this capacity. The, the human being has this capacity. But there are many, many people who did not make it out. There are many people who died. There are many people who suicided. There are many people who just couldn't hang on. But again, you know what I mean, you know, 
we are driven forward. We are driven out of the darkness. It's really unfortunate that when you see that, I suppose that light shining in 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 those people in my family, you don't see that same light shining from the state, and you don't see that same light shining from the church, and you don't really see it shining from that many individual politicians or even individual clerics. It's quite interesting, you know, the way you kind of identify that. But that drives us forward, mm. you know, and that's what it is, is that, you know, you into the processes because you know you're a good person. You know what's happened to you is wrong. And you want to heal because the good part of you is being impacted on all the time and you're trying to stop. And, you know, I'm 63 years of age, four years of age. So I've been in a lot of, you know, therapies and a lot of uh, uh, treatments and a lot of work I do in sourcing uh, my 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 authenticity and 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 my 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 essence. Mm. Is that what's behind yes. the shell? Yes, that kind of metaphor of the shell that comes over you. And then, was there a particular moment in your life where you felt that started to change, where you managed to break through the kind of the shell that had come around you or was it there a particular time I think that was that always there because that's know, I, I think, I think it was always there certainly in my yeah. childhood it was always there I was that running around the streets so it was there and, it, and yeah. only when I was in those institutions did I see the dark side of that I mean my family loved us as kids it was difficult it was poor enough you know there was poverty but there wasn't like abuse in any shape or form in, in, the, in the kind of levels that I met it uh, in the institution, certainly poverty and being in poverty has its own drawbacks and its own abuses, and that's just the way that is. Uh, but you can, you can, you can, you can, you can generally survive. But there wasn't, you know, you know, um, some awful household. Um, so it was only when I went into those places that they really did try and damage and break you and undermine any sort of authenticity or any sort of originality that you ever had. And that's just the way it is. These people were deeply prejudiced and basically set about trying to annihilate us in many, many senses of the world. And there isn't a huge amount of evidence in all of the tens of thousands, if not millions of documents in all of the history to suggest that these people whatever had every intention of doing any good. The overwhelming evidence here is that these people did atrocious crimes, committed atrocities, not just for like you know for five years, but, so but, but, in terms but, of yeah, but, but for, Christians. For, for generations, for, for generations. I mean, the First World War went on for a number of years. The Second World War, four or five years. Yeah, because it's an interesting like Christianity. Obviously, I was raised secular, so I had no like never went to mass, nothing like no interaction with it, and now as an adult, I've been learning a lot more about the kind of principles behind the religion. And I've been getting into guys like Martin Luther King and listen to his speeches who preaches love and who I think kind of exemplified that for me a lot. And I wonder how do you square that? Obviously the institution and the church has just completely fucked that up and had nothing, none of that in it. But how can you get such different versions of events from the same kind of story, you know? And do you see any good in it? Like, the Martin Luther King example, like his religion. You're breaking up an awful lot there. You know, oh, it's, really? It's breaking up quite a, quite a bit, yeah. But I, I get the gist of what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, in terms of Martin Luther King mm. and the and the and the and the and the Black Liberation Movement, mm. you know, what I mean, of the '60s, that was 
a you know a the a, 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 a spearhead of what had been going on beforehand you know what i mean throughout that long journey eight four hundred years of slavery in that in that in that in the americas and particularly in the united states of america the religious aspect of it is a kind of it's an interesting one because i akin that kind of you know religious thing to the same as ireland when ireland was trying to you know fight the occupation and the colonization and religion became a tool uh, in that and faith became a tool in that and spirituality and Martin Luther King used that general, you know, the opiate of the masses religion mm -hmm. to combine them all together and was very eloquent in his speeches, profound in his language. No, no different than the Big Ian Paisley, who again was very provocative yeah, so, in the way he operated. Message, I suppose. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but slightly different yeah. message, but the same platform. You know what I mean? And if you look then to Daniel O'Connell, or you look to any of the kind of people who were involved in emancipation, or who are using these particular platforms to combine people together to move towards, you know, what I mean, liberation, freedom, and justice. You know, well, on the other hand trying not to get themselves annihilated, you know what I mean, by the opponents, you know what I mean. The Catholic Church and the issue of faith and religion, those two things aside, individuals perpetrated these acts against us. So the institution of the church and the institution of the state and man's own hand did this. Yeah. So while God has never really hurt anybody because we've never really seen God as such, those who purport to be servants of God have created massive, massive damage. And the Catholic Church, right back, you know, I mean, Martin Luther King was a Lutheran, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that was because they spit away from the Catholic Church yeah. way back in the day. Mm. So, so there are many, there are, you know, religion is a huge, you know, dynamic. We look at the Israelis at the moment and what they're doing in the name of their religion. Mm. You, 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 look at, you look at what's happening with, you know what I mean, um, the Islamic State, you know what I mean? And ordinary, everyday people get squashed and undermined and closed down. You know, so it's, it, it, you know, the point of the matter is this, is that these acts can only go about while people stand idly by. The vast majority of people stood idly by. If you look at those marches from Martin Luther King, you can count almost the white folk. Do you know what I mean? In Black Lives Matter, it's very different. But when you look at kind of extinction rebellion or climate action, there's no black folk in there. You know, it's all white folk. So it's all class, it's all cut down, and it's all about supremacy. So religion can move itself around from many, many different places. Faith, on the other hand, you know, is a very different ballgame altogether. Faith is akin to your philosophical belief in yourself. And you can pick pick many, many different aspects of it and interpret it in the way you want to and live a life that's good. And also be like Martin Luther King, lead with that kind of conviction. And if you, if you, if you, you know, you know, Martin Luther King never initiated that that you, you that to follow him, you had to join a cult or you had to join anything. He spoke about you know God in a in in a, in a bigger sense, in the sense that there was something way beyond in a universal way, there was some as achievement well, that anybody there, yeah, could there was be a something part way. Of, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. Where, you know, he was into the business of the performance of inclusion, where the state was in the business of the performance of exclusion. Northern Ireland was a classic example of excluding a whole tranche of people for a long period of time, simply because they were Catholic, simply because they were other, you know, and this goes on all over the world. Uh, and for us, 
Uh, we were deemed, you know what I mean, unsavory. We were deemed unworthy. We were deemed, deemed moral hazards. Mm -hmm. And we were deemed children that were to be taken in, you know what I mean, and, and abused and undermined and dismissed. And we didn't have any rights. Yeah. We didn't have any particular rights at all. And even to this day, when you really consider what has gone on around the world with the religious, and indeed most of it coming back to Irish religious congregations, we have a long way to go uh, to basically offer apology and redress and proper justice to the families who will never come out of that trauma. The generational trauma will take a hell of a long time uh, to, 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 to heal. And including in that generational trauma are those, uh, you know, folk in America who are suffering huge racism, you know what I mean, and, are, you know, have to be ultra, you know, smart and careful as to the which way they go about the business, you know, uh, you know, because there are people out there who basically would annihilate us, would see us as, as other and see us as unworthy. And uh, I know that's kind of tough to take. Uh, in today's so-called modern world with internet, you know what I mean, and that you want and that you can have, and it all being cool and groovy and, uh, you know, the Velvet Revolution and the young folk out there, like, thinking they're going to change everything and it's all going to happen. Mm. The sinister thing is, is that, you know, from the get-go, you know what I mean, the forces of evil are there. Suffering is part of our life, uh, but basically you have to get meaning into that suffering. And I've put meaning into my life. Martin Luther King has put meaning into my life. And our suffering will never go in vain. You know what I mean? And we will never offer our suffering up. We will use uh, our experience and we'll use our, our suffering to make it less less difficult from the people coming up behind us. Because if, if I was coming up in the world today and I wanted to find out about the institutions or if I was a kid and I was in those institutions and I would want to know how I'm going to understand this. Lamb without God. Uh, will give you an understanding. The life and times of Martin Luther King will give you an understanding as a person of colour trying to make their way. But equally, there are other folk out there who've advanced all of those philosophies uh, and are quite kind of simplistic and sophisticated and give us a sense of our own empowerment and give us a sense of our own being and give us a sense of our own presence. And that's what's important. I am present. I am here. I own myself, I own what's in here, and I can decide what to do with that. And that's what I'm trying to do within my life and within the artworks that I actually do. Against the situation where even in the art world itself or the cultural world itself, that's dangerous territory, yeah. full of people who would cut your fucking throat for a pause. <laughs> yeah. It's full of people who are egomaniacs. There's something, there's something I wanted to touch on with you there, which was that... So, yeah, on that one level of getting rid of the church and getting rid of the institution, which has become corrupted. And then the issue, though, of having the generations then that come after it, how that kind of made sense for everybody at one time. And then you pointed towards the activism or the kind of group think that's going on with a lot of my generation uh, because of technology and because of other things. But there's a, a massive issue with not having a shared kind of story or a shared culture or a shared being on the same page about anything. And I think that was something in Ireland that religion did aside from the bad stuff. And that now that that's gone, there's a question of what is Ireland now? What is Ireland's culture now? And it's just become kind of America 
I think it's just become this digital kind of we've just imported the culture of the digital world and that it's kind of eroding anything that would seem like an Irish or the you what I would consider to be Irish culture, I suppose. And I wonder what you well, think about that. Well, well, first of all, the institution of the church is not gone. You know what I mean? And like, you know, I wouldn't necessarily like yeah. see it gone because it gives a lot of comfort to a lot of people. It's still there. It's just very different. Uh, but it's still there yeah. and it's still very powerful. And it's a global, it's a global conglomerate and it's bigger uh, than Facebook. Uh, and it's quite huge. And, uh, you know, it's still got a, a bite in it. So it's still there. I think what we need to do is change those institutions uh, and bring them more in line. Uh, which you know, I mean, human hu- with with humanism and human beings, rather than removing them from us. I mean, the idea that Christ came and said, "Build my church uh, upon a rock," uh, you know, uh, uh, give 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 comfort uh, to those uh, in need. Uh, we need to get back to that particular thing. The the, the idea that we need each other yeah. uh, and we need to acknowledge each other's suffering uh, in all walks of life, uh, the multimillionaire and the poor person. Their suffering, mm. you know, is equal. Their, their resources are not equal, but their suffering is, and that's what happens, and we do suffer. So the institutions of the church are still there. They just need to be changed, and we need to be more involved with that. Pulling them down, you know what I mean, is not really going to achieve that. However, we do have to challenge them, and if, you know, necessary, we do have to break them and rebuild them. Uh, but I don't believe there's a, a you know, a, a, you know, What's happening now is that an awful lot of people are going into spirituality. A lot of people are going into alternative medicines. A lot of people are going into therapies. A lot of people are finding, you know, their, their you know, their resources within themselves. So it's 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 changing. But the the other aspect of it is is that globally, you know, it, you know, we are controlled by capitalism, and, and and the church is controlled by capitalism, and that controls our lives. And the idea. Uh, that you know, uh, like you know, uh, Facebook and IT and social media. There's always uh, uh, going to be you know a, a problem uh, in the world. As every day will always bring up a problem. Not too long ago, there was a thirty-year war in the north. Before that, there was a massive destruction of Europe, a horrendous war against fascism and fascism. And then before that, there was a first world war, which was hugely traumatic and different for tens of millions of people who are butchered and slaughtered. You know what I mean? And now we have, you know, a situation where we're all dumbing down with the worst case scenarios of social media and people are on their devices and they're not connected to anybody. Uh, And there'll be a price to pay for that. And we're also on top of that, we're in the middle of a pandemic, supposedly, where there is a virus going around and the powers that be are exercising uh, unheard of controls on not just on local populations but on global populations and these are going to be difficulties uh, to um, understand and to exit from to a better place we don't want to enter into a situation where we're not going to a better place so we're going to have to question all of these things uh, and, and and really you know begin to advance ourselves as human being, and not be advanced by the likes of Facebook or some conglomerate uh, that actually wants to kind of like you know take control of that. We we really do have to. We really do have to. We we, we don't have the philosophy, okay, to be able to, and the language to be able to deal with this. It's 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 beginning to emerge very slowly, very slowly beginning to emerge. 
Um, uh, but we need to build the philosophies around us and the language around us to be able to understand what it is. And unfortunately, what's actually happening is, is that there's just conflict being created, really. And, you know, you, like, like the Martin Luther King thing, you know, you have to find the vehicle that's going to be able to advance your cause. You know what I mean? You really, really do. You can't end up in violence. You must be able to end up because we've never advanced through violence. We've only advanced through sophistication and through philosophies and through consciousness and breakthrough. So there is that possibility with social media. There is that possibility of being able to be your authentic self and to identify yourself. You know what I mean? And the other thing, the protests and the confrontations are sideshows. They're all sideshows because at the end of the day, we're all looking for a solution. We're all looking for a place. And in many cases, you know, activism is people running from the original. But yeah, that kind of the other thing that worries me, I mean, the social media thing. And then you have all these other problems, what people call the meta crisis, where you have so many crises building up. But our ability to deal with them is being interfered with by the technologies and by our inability to communicate with each other. So how we'd solve these problems is kind of an issue. And I think that's, for me anyway, it's part of a, a bigger crisis, which is that we don't have this kind of shared structure. We don't have a shared story. We don't have a shared... But, but, of, but just a, but, but, but very few people but, even don't actually have a shared self. You know, I mean, most people don't know who the fuck they yeah. are. The idea of actually sitting down in a room and sharing something with people you know fuck all about. We go into any AA room or any recovery room where you get 12 people who are mad addicts who are trying to get a solution and might get something common with each other that help you break the habit. But in most cases, most people don't know who they are. They don't investigate themselves. They're not curious about themselves. You know what I mean? And so, you know, what, what happens is, is that we're locked into crisis in the same way we're locked into tragedy because it's generational. Uh, this, you know, uh, 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 you know, the, the destruction, you know, and it, and 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 you know, and and it's 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 intergenerational trauma and it's intergenerational, you know, suffering, you know, and you know, it 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 it, 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 it you just carry it from one end of the place to the fucking next, and and this is what's happening. I'm looking around out there. I'm 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 jumping around the place. I'm looking at a bunch of young folk. They want, you know, take away points. They they want to go out and boogie. And, you know, they're not, you know, and they're young and that's grand, that's fine. But the bigger picture of, you know what I mean, the mystery of where we are, being on the planet, right? even the bigger picture of global warming, it, 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 it it's not landing because most of the big companies are taking over that and saying, okay, we, we'll build you a green machine. We'll build you a machine that actually won't need petrol. But they're, but they're just getting after your money. It, it doesn't come in groups. The classic example is the Twelve Apostles, who basically all denied each other, denied Christ, and basically, like, you know, it doesn't happen. You don't go into this in groups. There is a common bond between us for our survival, and there's a common bond between our suffering, and we're moving in that direction, and we always will be trying to strive for that, because as I said earlier on, your essence, the very idea of who you are, will, will try and survive it, no matter what has happened to you. No matter how far they try and squash you, there'll always be that ingredient, you know, a bit like the Count of Monte Cristo that will get out of the dungeon. There's always only towards the light. There's always that in our souls, in our, because that's what makes us different. 
and Leninism, capitalism, you know, you know, faith, philosophy, spirituality, all of the big, big, big people have no bearing whatsoever on you, you know, discovering yourself. You're the mystery. You can externalize it and you can go into college and, and you can do all of that stuff. Yeah, that's and you can exactly be the best Marxist going mm. and you can be, a, 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 you know, mm-hmm. a world leader. But what do you do when you go home? And I'm in politics. I'm a politician. I work in politics. I meet people. Uh, you know, today I was at a load of meetings and lots of different folks coming in, different shapes, different size, different he, she's, be, she's, you name it, a different form of language and every trying to understand what's going on. And this is just a drainage meeting, Marat, about fucking drainage, storm drainage. And there's all sorts of things thrown in from green, <laughs> environmental, yeah. local, all being thrown in. And all you have is, at the end of the day, try and present for yourself. That's what you're always trying to do. Not try to be too triggered or jumping out of yourself all the time. I, I do believe, you know what I mean, that is, it is without end. You know, I do believe that, you know, that extraordinary things can happen. And I believe that extraordinary things will happen. I actually believe entirely in humanity. And I believe that there's an entire good that's innate in everybody. And sometimes it just doesn't get through. I have never come across anybody in all of the institutions and the jails that I was in that was truly evil individual and wasn't capable of changing being good. I'd come across a lot of people that had been treated absolutely appalling. And basically out of that anger and out of that resentment and out of that like you know, trauma created worst case scenarios. But there is love and there is art and there is culture and there is, like, you know, the making of something extraordinary for the first time. You know what I mean? But I don't see that being made uh, by the kind of, you know, uh, group around, you know, the cobblestone bar. Because the group around the cobblestone bar in Dublin had no idea about the building. And when you go down to Smithfield and you actually see the fucking state of Smithfield and the damage that's been yeah. done to Smithfield and the damage that's been done to Dublin over a long period of time, you wonder... What possessed all of these folks to be jumping up and down about what actually is a public house where they play music? And there are tens of thousands of such public houses around the country where they play music. Yet they didn't, you know, challenge the Abbey. It's not saved. It's nothing saved. The owner, no, no, no. I mean, you know, it, it, the most important thing, no, the, owner, the most important thing here is, is to understand what we are talking about. Um, you know, and understand what the issues are. The issue in, around the cobblestone was about a venue, bar, a pub. End of story. They didn't know anything about mm. the architecture. They knew nothing about the area. They didn't know what they were really actually talking about. And all that's happened here is that Dublin City Council have refused the planning commission because of the popularist, you know, uh, challenge against it, brought about by eight or 900. But if they go into Umbar Panola or they re-enter again, they will continue to do what they're going to do. In, in the meantime, what is culture? Are you trying to tell me that the cobblestone is a culture and that the cobble, and that, that if the cobblestone went, that the culture of traditional music that was, that, that was saved by the traveling community would be destroyed? Paul, the culture that's being destroyed in Dublin is 
I mean, the country has been destroyed in Dublin as an everyday occurrence. You know, it's an everyday situation that's happening left, right, and center. You know what I mean? The hipster vibe around the cobblestone bar is something that I just don't believe. I don't believe the culture policy. Do you know what about I the, think for people, about for people like my age, yeah. Oh, sorry, you're breaking up a little bit there. But, but, um, for people my age with the whole cobblestones thing, I think they see it as a, you know, that Dublin's being sold off and that that becomes kind of a symbol of whatever it is that people feel like they're losing because of the development of stuff. And so people kind of rally around it because they feel like, uh, like bars are being taken down and hotels. It might be a silly thing to rally around, but it's not rallying around that's kind of the it's impression. not going anywhere it's not going anywhere it's not happening mm. you know what i mean it's it, 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 it you know it's yeah. it's not happening it's not it's not going anywhere and I said again if you go into smithfield and look at the damage that's been done to the actual area you know what i mean like you know and then they're all jumping up and down about a fucking pub i just fucking find that like you know, just unacceptable the point of the matter is as i said that dublin you know, it's being undermined and destroyed all over the place. But there isn't a movement to stop that. There's Dublin City Councillors haven't stopped that. Well, that's interesting because I feel like that's something you would be really in favour of because I could, you know, I consider you one of the most, you know, as far as an artist and a person from Dublin, like to care about Dublin. And what do you think people should be fighting for in Dublin that would be better? Well, I mean, that's up to that them. Be, to you know, what are they? For, what should they be fighting? What they want for to fight the for. There are many things that are that are struggle in Dublin. There's a huge housing problem. There's a massive. There's a huge addiction problem. There's a huge drink problem. I've got a, a There's plenty of culture. There's plenty of places where you can go and play music. Traditional music, in particular, there's a bar on the corner from the cobblestone uses bar which plays great music just on the corner there the problem here is is that what's happening is, is that people's lives are being undermined in the way they go about their business there isn't the proper spaces so why aren't these people going down to the theater and demanding inclusion why aren't they going up to the irish museum of modern art and demanding inclusion they're not really interested in something it's a it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a flea in a wig in a bin Thinking it's in a mop of hair in a in a lovely hairdresser's, and it's not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere after 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 the cobblestone. They're not going to march to stop and it's something else happening. They're not going marching out the swords. They're not going marching, you know, down to County Kerry to stop a destroyed. They're not marching into Money Gall, which is lying empty, <laughs> uh, to save the town. They're not doing that. They didn't do that. And they're not going to stop any particular thing because these things are on the are, are on the march and on the rise. What they need to do is empower themselves, inform themselves, get a philosophy together, get a an, an articulation together. But they're not interested in that. No more than they were interested in that around the George Barnett show. They're not interested. But but the, but the, but the, but but they're not interested in that. But they're not interested in that because then. But they're not informing themselves. They're, they're just surface. They're not I think there is. Themselves. I mean, not, I think I there's a lot of people. Arts, I guess, yeah, I, I'm kind of trying to do that. With I, I don't see them, with you know what I mean? The you know, protest, protesting outside the fucking Abbey Theatre. Saying you need to bring I in think more there are people. Some people. I don't see them are, outside but, the gate. Yeah. I don't see them down in Temple Bar, the Arts Project Arts Centre, and all those places. They get 9 million euros. It's a fucking middle-class pastime. 
It's not working class past them. It's middle class. It's the arts are designed for the middle class. We're going to afford them. So the idea, like, you know, that all of a sudden mm-hmm. traditional artist music is going to get destroyed. This is a fucking pub that sells beer, period. And it sells more beer than playing mm-hmm. more tunes. It's not a concert venue. It's a pub. And that's the situation here. And I understand all the nuances around it. But this idea that Dublin has been destroyed and the culture of Dublin has been dead, that's been dead a long fucking time. Our class don't get to see the Abbey Theatre. We don't give it an artwork and outreach. It's for someone else's pastime. So if you were to go to any of those people and ask them, well, what is it that you're about? What is it that you're doing? And what is it that you want to do? And why can't we open up another? You wouldn't be able to do that. So, like, it's easy and it's kind of almost cliched. Yet the Abbey Theatre, you know what I mean, you know, is there. The Project Arts Centre is there. There's tens of millions of euros being spent on national cultural institutions. And they close at four o'clock. Dublin City Council spends huge money, you know, on their mates. You've got a, you you know, 14 Henrietta Street masquerading as, as a cultural hub when it should have been a fucking house for homeless. So there's loads of issues in here, you know what I mean, uh, that need to be dealt with. And I'll give one thing, the young are the young, and I don't blame them. They don't know. They're not connected into culture or connected into identity. They're connected into, you know, a kind of, you know, a one-off, you know, hipster, you know, uh, you know, campaign. And if you went through all of the, the observations in relation to the cobblestone, most people were talking about, like, you know, when they, when they played a banjo in there and when they did this, that, and the other. You know, like, come on. You know, you're looking at Moore Street trying to be saved. You're looking at blocks of places being lying idle. You're looking at large parts of the city being kind of, like, you know, broken down and rebuilt. There's a whole different fucking ball game out there. Get hip. But it's probably part of the same thing, I think, that, like, there are people that are concerned. I mean... My concern, like part of me leaving Dublin was because it feels like a place that's having an identity crisis where there's a new city being built inside of an old city. The identity crisis, really the identity crisis the is in yourself. Of the whole thing. It's, not, it's, it's in yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not in anywhere else. It's not in the city. All you're doing is a geographic. So you're telling me that because you've moved out of Dublin that the issue is not an issue with you because that couldn't be true. They, they, they... Well... Well, it isn't. For me, it just felt like a place that has, you know, it got a lot of money and it was kind of growing up very quickly and didn't really have, you know, I mean, Belfast feels like a place that has much more of an identity and much more of a community, maybe because it's small. No, it's different. It's a geographical. But, you um, know, if you were to go back down here and understand what you were dealing with, mm -hmm. if you were to go back down here and actually examine Mm -hmm. what you're talking about, I mean, Dublin is certainly a hostile place. There's certainly a situation where it's not very cool. It's not very chill. There's no particular scene in it. It doesn't have an arts vibe. It doesn't have a cultural vibe. It is fractured, I would say that. And there's no question about it. Well, that's kind of, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but but that same fracturing, when you move uh, to the other place, you have to heal that fracturing. This is the thing. And although you get all the bling in Belfast or even in London, if you don't address that fractured part of you as to what that was, we don't get curious about that. If you don't ask yourself, what was that feeling? What drove me out of there? What was it in myself? Well, then you're going to be in deep trouble because how are you going to get back? So what you've actually done, man, is that you've exiled yourself from your, from your home. Okay, exile, like Joyce. You've exiled yourself. 
And in order to come back, you need to exit that exiling within yourself. And in order to do that, you need to understand what the process was. Otherwise, you end up in that situation where you're one of those almost like, you know, you're like you're you're a you're a cultural migrant. You've migrated out of Ireland. Well, you know, you've migrated out of Ireland because of the lack of any cultural identity and so on and so forth. Mm. You know what I mean? And and I understand that nuance. Mm. And that's why I would question what's happening in the cobblestone and say there's a bigger, broader thing that's going on here. And if you really want to address the issue of culture or cultural deficit, well, let's figure out what the fuck that is. Because that's something that I had to address as a working class man, as an artist, and as a politician, what it was that I was. And, you know, that's what's important. And I've been in London and I've been in America and I've worked all across the place. But at the end of the day, the only cultural identity I have is the one that I have in myself. And if something interesting happens other than the cure for insomnia in the Abbey Theatre, I'll go to it. And the only thing... As I say, you, you know, again, I worked on the boards of the Irish Museum of Modern Art. I was on the board of the U-Lane Gallery. And I wasn't, you know, enthusiastic. And I wasn't excited by it. It was very dead and closed down. There wasn't an excitement. The people that lived around these places weren't there. A huge amount of the staff in Dublin City Council have never visited the U-Lane uh, Gallery, which is part of the Dublin City Council. A lot of people living around Camino don't feel very welcome in Camino. You know what I mean? And again... These are the problems. And art isn't taught to working class folk. Our culture is not, or traveler folk. It's, you know, so there's a huge issue around what is and what isn't. And just because a generation of folk, you know, are hopping up and down around a couple of bands and think, hey, we've discovered vintage, we've discovered sustainability, and we've discovered trad and hip, fuck off. Get a life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I want to put another spin on that, man, to be honest, because it's reminded me, I mean, what you're saying about me exiling myself Mm. is very true, because in terms of the play I've been working on for the last three years is set in Dublin and is very much about where I'm from in Dublin and where I grew up and the people in Dublin and trying to deal with that and trying to make sense of what it is that I feel was dysfunctional about myself and about the circumstances that I was in. And that for me is a cultural work or will be, I suppose, whenever people see it. Um, but that that cultural work also is kind of about the Bernard Shaw thing. It is about the those hipsters that are me and my friends and about growing up there and about us trying to find an identity or trying to become adults and trying to do something. So for me, that is the culture that 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 the confusion around it is part of our cultural, you know, Journey. Yeah, but you didn't set George out to make the George Bernard people. Shaw. The George Bernard Shaw was there and people went yep. into it. We it made the good. Project Art Centre. We as artists got in there and changed mm. that. We were committed individually. We weren't just going in for some sort of gold crap. We were committed to the work. We made the work. We made the place operate. We changed the dynamics in the 70s in Dublin and were political and were informed and were in a struggle. And we understood the nuances. And the thing about it is, is that a generation like yourself have grown up in a very, very different environment where a lot more things have been thrown at you than were thrown at us. So your struggle is, you know what I mean, very, very important. But you always have to go back to what the struggle was like. And I'll bring this to you. What the struggle was like in your home. What the struggle was like in early childhood. These are the things that fracture us. 
These are the things that give us adaptations. These are the things that actually keep us away from home. Because at the end of the day, you're all, we're all looking for home. We're all looking for the safe place. We're all looking to be held. We're all looking to be identified and to be recognized and to be a cultural participant. And, you know, if, we, if we're not careful, we're not going to get that. And so many, many people identify around the protest because the protest is like a, it's like a kind of, it's like a sedative. It, you know, it's like the war in the North. It, it covered up a huge amount of pain for Republicans and nationalists to bomb the bollocks out of the place, to kill each other left, right and centre. The same way with the sectarians and the and the and the loyalists and the and the Protestant community, it it, it was a, it was a, it was a blood fest that was designed to 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 annihilate the horrendous fucking pain that had been going on since the foundation mm-hmm. uh, and the separation of that whole place. And this is what happens. The same happens in Native American people. The same is happening in the black community. This across the globe, the same is happening across uh, uh, the Middle East. This is what we're all struggling for. And the cobblestone, which is no different than the George Bernard Shaw, are places that are going to be sold from underneath the people who are fighting for them. Because the guy that is in the bar doesn't own it. The owner owns the bar. He can throw him out any day he likes and he'll do a deal. And at the end of the day, once the cobblestone is gone or the George Bernard Shaw is gone, where do you and I go? Where is the hole going to be fixed? Where is the cultural fucking hole? Who's going to mend that? And this is what I'm saying about the business of exiling yourself, but not exiling. Because you've got to fix that one up. You've got to fix that one up. Well, that's exactly what I'm like. I'm completely in alignment with you there in terms of trying to fix that cultural hole by producing the way I think about it is like, taking the past and you're like chunking it together into a work of art, chunking it together into a play. And then you can produce something that makes sense of that time. It'll hopefully make sense of that time in my life, but hopefully other people can see that. It cannot well. be a substitute. Kind of, was that no, something you It felt? cannot be a substitute. Mm. Art cannot be a substitute mm. for what the fuck is going mm. on. So culture mm. and cultural commodity, mm. the rituals of culture, which are ancient, mm-hmm. which go back to fucking ancient situations, are very different than they are now, where they're a commodity. You go to the cobblestone to drink, to pa- pass a few bob and hear music that you're paying for. So the whole idea, you know what I mean, of thinking that you can make a culture or create a play that will help you avoid what's going on in yourself. You know, look at the philosophers. Look at the French philosophers in particular. Oh, look at the Greeks. <laughs> the Greeks are yeah. my favourite you know, and, and, and then you know, you, you, then you'll understand what what it is that you're looking for, because it's easy to create product. It's easy to do, you know, to create, you know, tunes and stuff like that. But many of the artists that I work with, and I've worked with tens of thousands on a long time with them, they're not they're not very satisfied because someone else has control of the platform. Well, so you, I mean, you know what I mean. Someone else has control of the means of production. For instance, there's a lot Marx of there's say. a lot of ends in play playwriting. That's a terrible thing because, but I I really like what you're saying because my thinking is like okay, if people won't put on my play, I can just raise the money myself and put it on. Like I wouldn't care, you know. Nobody's gonna stop me from doing what I want to do here, or from going all the way with it because I think I have something worth saying and worth pursuing. But if I don't know if you're saying that there's a kind of culture of expecting a handout or not pushing it far enough or not. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm I'm saying that if you're going to, if you're going to enter into the arena with a work, you also have to enter into the challenge of what you're up against because these people want to lock Mm. you out. 
Okay. Sure. And certainly you can raise yeah. 20 grand, 30 grand and stick on your play. But you also, like we did, we raised the money for our film. We had a long, big journey doing all of that work. And again, yeah. we had to watch what we were doing because at the end of the day, we had to come out of the process full up, not empty. We had to come out of the process, you know, somewhat healed, somewhat empowered. Do you know what I mean? And with more ownership and much more agency. So we didn't give a fuck about them. It wasn't about them. It was about what we were going to be doing. So a no was as good as a yes. We weren't buying into their, you know, established platforms. We went out and we did the work that we thought was good and we believe it to be good. And I've always done this process. I'm not really interested in being joining in with, you know, uh, you know, the other established gangs. And that's what I'm saying about the cobblestone folk again. Where do you go to when it's yeah. gone? Where do you go next? Are you a cultural nomad? You're just moving from one place to the next. And what are you looking for? And there are many different aspects. There's the Clay Club, which is run out of Liberty Hall, which is a very interesting, you know, process. It's a bit stuck in the past. But, and there's loads of places to do it. But I'm just saying that this needs a much more political, cultural action. And politics and culture are the same. So going and protesting about the Dublin City Council not to give planning permission is no guarantee that the cobblestone is going to survive. In my opinion, it isn't going to survive. And I don't believe that the cobblestone is some sort of, you know, uh, you know, eureka moment or some sort of catalyst moment for people in Dublin to wake up. People have a lot of things on their plate. And if the main cultural people who are in subsidy, if the main cultural backers who are basically on big salaries and the arts administrators and artistic directors and so on and so forth aren't opening their fucking mouths, well, then you have a problem on your hands. You have a big problem on your hands. Well, that's there is there's a massive problem that I've encountered, which is that a lot of people are producing propaganda rather than producing art, and that we have a very the gap through which people are speaking a lot in the arts world is getting smaller, and you see it in movies and things like that as well. And Netflix, there's a lot of the political correctness and stuff like that. I think people are very are getting more afraid of stepping outside the box and. My generation are very aware of this, I think, particularly because of social media. But this is the issue for your the, life. To the become issue is courage. Everybody's news. The issue is courage. And the issue is being able to take risks. Yes. And that's the business. And you'll not get anything unless you do that. If you don't face the fear of what yeah. it is, well, then forget mm. about it. And all too often, as I say, mm. it is kind of, you know, we're back to Grafton Street busking. We're back to this kind of, and it's a cliche at this stage of the game. Or we're back to, you know, street art and graffiti. And it's kind of like, it's almost kind of like stunted and immature. So there's no big responsibility going on. And it's masquerading. In the meantime, the place is constitutionally being undermined and erupted. You know, and, and, that, and that's what's happening. You know, if you go down to Kerry, it's slightly different. Galway, it's slightly different. Galway City, I'd bypass it and go out to Connemara. This is what's happening in this space. We're being sold as a commodity, as a cultural commodity, as a commodity. This is what's happening here. This is kind of like, you know, you know, the nation participating in, in, in Mrs. Brown's boys. This is like, you know, we're being turned into a, a, a you know, a, a, a basically a, a tourist, you know, a thing. And, and, and we haven't really yeah. broken out. And the likes of Tony McMahon, uh, who was who deceased, who died recently, like a genius uh, box player from County Clare. He was always about, you know, cultural credibility and the erosion of culture. Donkey's years back, way before Cobblestone, as to how it was being undermined 
and how it was being fast-tracked and how it was being thrown into the faster you play the reel and the faster you dance, the better. He's thinking, like, what the fuck is this? What kind, is a man on ketamine or what? Mm. And this is what this is what's going <laughs> on and that it's being commodified. Mm. And the actual real business of what it's about is being completely and absolutely broken down because it has great, great potency and it has great potential. Great, great, great potential, you know. And as I say, you know what I mean, like if you look back into the long, long line of what is there in terms of traditional music, traditional crafts, uh, the uh, tradition of literature, of painting, of sculpture, there's no combined effort by any of these artists to combine themselves and assist the next generation. You go up to NCAD and like, you know, it's like, it's, you might as well be walking into an empty multi-story car park. You know what I mean? Like there, there really isn't anything coming out of these joints and people want to go in there and do arts, but you don't follow on. The same way with like, with, 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 you know, with, you know with, with acting or filmmaking, you know, there's tens of millions of euros being spent here, but we're not getting you know what I mean? What should be coming up? We are. We don't have a place tonight that I can say, yeah, there's a great arts club here. I'll call down. You want to join the arts club in Dublin? It's two hundred euros. You know, maybe three hundred euros. And you think it's just a bit, a bit stuffy and a bit fucking up its own arse in the whole kind of like. I think. I think it's. I, clicks. Yeah, I guess. I think it's. I think it's social media clicks, yeah. and I think it's hip and cool, and it's so on and so forth. I can fuck off to London, get a Ryanair flight, and and get grounded in great culture. Just as a just as a norm, literally drowned in it. Mm. You know, I mean, I can get in there into all of the various places, and I can really, really, you know, just absorb, you know, what I need to absorb. And I can go to a good gig in Dublin and absorb it as well. But the the big issue that we're talking about is national cultural identity and cultural identity for a generation of people, and all of those kind of things is simply not authentic and it's not there. And there's a much bigger picture to be fought here. And I believe at the end of the day mm. that what we're looking at here is cultural democracy, you know what I mean, and cultural inclusion, where people are really begin to actually break out and begin to actually challenge the likes of the Arts Council and challenge the likes of Dublin City Council in terms of where the resources go. And I think of the 900 people who made the observations on the cobblestone were to get together as a meeting of 900 individuals and put a fiver into a kitty they could hire a venue and put on a show. Ten times better than what's going on in the cobblestone. And that's the way you push it out. And that's the way you create cultural revolution. And that's what's happening. The problem for me is that this is not going that way. This is the drive time. It's social media. It's Irish times. It's fucking nonsense. And it doesn't really impact. The biggest cultural thing in Smithfield was the Smithfield Horse Fair, which Dublin City Council fucking destroyed turning that big space there, which is a huge, big public space, into a nonsense. I mean, look at the space. So I wish them well in the cobblestone, you know, you know, but I don't really believe at the end of the day that that platform is addressing the bigger platform of what we're faced with in the, in the, you know, in the city. And I think that the whole thing is being entirely dumbed down, entirely dumbed down, you know what I mean? And being turned into, uh, you know, like Portobello, a slightly hipster thing. It's all white, more or less. It's not predominantly it's classist. It doesn't involve any of the migrant communities. It's it's a particular set of individuals, and and, and it stops at that. It, it stops at that. Yeah. Well. 
you're gonna you're gonna hate my play but um portobello is i mean well that's where i hang out that's where like all my friends yeah hang i, out I understand that have, I, you know I, don't, don't get me wrong i have I, I totally of, understand yeah. that and my apologies for cutting across mm. i totally understand that but i also understand mm. the monster that you're up against i also understand mm. exactly what the situation is about you're up against i i work within that framework and behind the mm. corner there's a, there's a load of closed ears and closed mouths and closed eyes dismissing you all mm. because they know you're not organized. They know you don't know what really is going on. You're trying to figure something out, but you haven't figured it really out. So who do you challenge? How do you do it? And hanging out in Portobello or hanging out in the George Bernard Shaw or hanging out in the, 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 the cobblestone, whatever, that's all grand. But if you're going to start challenging the status quo and the system mm. and start challenging the arts and start making great statements about Dublin being destroyed and start moving out of Dublin because it's not, you know, uh, culturally hip for you. Well, then you have to say to yourself, well, maybe there's something else going on here. Uh, and maybe there's something else going on here and taking a look at that particular, particular situation. Do you know what I mean? So, so, so what is happening? And like, that's an interesting point. Yeah. And that kind of, is there a learned helplessness? I had said that to you before in terms of like, you know, people not putting on things to challenge the status quo maybe because they feel it's too but big you don't for know. Them, or it's too like but, but, but man you don't you don't yeah. know you, you don't know mm. what way this thing works you, you don't know who's in the arts council how policy works how this works how that works you don't know i mean if you're really hip and cool the bunches that get together and, and fucking hire your own pub just go in and get a license and and run your own venue do you know what i mean because the because the guy because the guy that owned the George Bernard show walked away with millions, you know what I mean. And the guy that would be managing the the, the cobblestone would walk away with millions because he'd be bought out, you know what I mean. And this is what happened. So what we did in our day was that we actually went in and we set up the project art center. We made buildings. We made cultural entities. We we set up the Grapevine Art Center. We set up a myriad of things. And and at the end of the day, that's what this generation needs to do yeah. in order to actually get their own cultural, you know what I mean, remit and their own cultural identity going. And that's what really it is. And again, I'll go back to the class issue and I'll go back to the whole issue of who's included mm. in this and, and who is this for. And I understand the sense of alienation, of annihilation and the, the sense of isolation and the, and, and the sense of abandonment. And these are what I would address. Say, well, where is that coming from? And then when we address them, we say, okay, let's pick a building. Which building are we looking for here? Oh, that one? Okay, let's get this one. We're going to get this building and we're going to make a great venue of it. This is what happens. But I believe at the end of the day that a generation of artists that started in the 70s and created a whole vibe going down the road, Project Art Centre, have turned their back on you as a generation. They've turned their fucking back so the likes of the Project Art Centre who think that they're radical and they're social and they're left, they haven't even opened their mouth. You know, when you look at the, the, the struggle of the gay community and then they turn the whole place into an absolute vodka pride march with mm. massive banners all over the place, then you think, well, the struggle is kind of like, you know, where's the struggle gone here for people who are in different genders or who are in yeah. trans or who are feeling oppression? So I would say that listening to what you're saying and listen to the people in the cobblestone is that they're culturally oppressed well before they went into the cobblestone. 
Way before they went in there. I wouldn't say that culturally oppressed. I think the word domicile, the, the no, alienation that people feel is because that's, they but that's don't oppression. have a cultural context. But that's but oppression. Yeah. That's so oppression. Kind of a, that's that's yeah. oppression. It's not then that's I, oppression that mm. brings anger and oppression and depression For sure. and uh, feelings of isolation, etc., etc. Because where do you belong? Where do you belong? Where are you trying to fit in? And sometimes in order, to, and sometimes you have to create where you want to fit in yourself. You've got to dig into your past and say, okay, let let's let let's let let's let's do this. Let let's put something together. That actually is inclusive. That is interesting. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, I would say to those eight hundred people that signed that form, don't go back into the cobblestone. Go somewhere else. Almost spread that thing. You know what I mean? Like you know, you know, when is the next meeting of the of Save the Cobblestone group? Because the cobblestone isn't saved. All Dublin City Council have done is refuse planning permission. But the guns are pointed at it. The cannons are pointed at the building. The development will go ahead in one shape or form or another. Yeah, you know, you know again, you know, you have to reconnect to that, to that particular place. You know what I mean? And you have to watch out for the betrayals along the road because that's what happened. And many of the institutions, you know what I mean, that were supposed to be there to include people and to give people platforms ended up being sold and eroded by the very people who were in charge of them to look after them. The very people who said they were coming from a, a decent humanist, leftist, you know, inclusive perspective, put the fucking money in their pockets. And that's what happens here, you know. So it really is important that each and every individual like yourself empower yourself with your own sense of identity and your own sense of your own culture. And that's where it would stem from. And that belief then will actually spread and really, you know, what I would much prefer to do is get those 800 people and occupy the Project Art Centre or occupy the Abbey Theatre or occupy the Irish Museum of Modern Art or occupy the National Gallery. That's what's really what needed here. You know what I mean? Really, I mean, I can go to a lot of pubs and get music. I can go to the Cobblestone, you know, and many bars, as I say, have gone. But the real issue is, and again, I'll bring it back to this point, you exiled yourself because of this feeling of, 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 of alienation. And this lack of 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 your sensibility being acknowledged, and 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 James Joyce did the exact same thing, and many artists and many individuals in this country did the exact same thing. Many people coming out of the institutions did the exact same thing, because we are we are being forced to fed a, a rather bogus national cultural identity in this country, that is highly fucking suspect. And really, that's what's at the bottom of it. 800 years of occupation, everything taken away from us, forced, you know what I mean, to, to leave our language, forced to not play our music, starved into submission, famineized and broken up and murdered and hung and sent away. So you're coming out of that, man, that man. So am I. Generational, mm. intergenerational trauma. And the cobblestone is a part of that. But unfortunately, most of the people in the cobblestone protest don't understand that, in my opinion. And the national cultural identity is one that is a washed, sterilized version of what we are supposed to be. Do you know what I mean? I mean, the Shinners do a pigeon version of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And when you look at the decades of commemoration and all of what's going on between the 1916, 2016, and now 19, uh, 2022, 1922, you'll see the kind of cheesy kind of, you know, pageant versions 
you know, you know, you know, uh, you know that are that that are that are happening. Reenactments. We don't need to fucking reenact anything. We need to actually be in, be present in these real streets where it really took place, and everybody needs to be acknowledged, rather than turn it into some kind of fucking Belfast tour. Do you know what I mean? Or turn it into the, the Titanic quarter. Mm. You know what I mean? You know, so our, our, the, the real situation is, you know, as I say, in relation to culture, first of all, you need to challenge your perceptions of what it is and, and, what, and what's going on. You know what I mean? And it's, 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 a, it's a long, hard journey. And you start with the likes of James Joyce's Gas from the Burner when they weren't going to publish his great uh, book of short fire. stories, Dubliners. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and he and he wrote "Gas from the Born of the Poem" around it. So it, it's it really needs us to be very, you know, actionist uh, and and very aware of what the threats are here and what's happening to us. You know what I mean? And you know, as I say, the the cobblestone is not about culture; it's about planning. Culture is a different thing altogether. And just, I suppose, to bring it back around full circle to what we were first talking about, do you think? a story can do that. Do you think stories can play that role? Like if you're talking about rehabilitating a culture, taking action, can, is it the creation of stories? Is that something that can bring people back to that essence that you talked about? I absolutely believe that authenticity and cultural authenticity. Okay. Is where it's at. And I do believe that expressions like that of truth, I or i.e. be it from you know the likes of Garbo Mate or be it from Martin Luther King or be it from uh, you know uh, 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 Wolf Tone or Robert Emmett you know what I mean or Jerry Adams you know what I mean or Mary Lou Macdonald or whoever it is uh, you know what I mean or Marx or Lenin or whoever it is or Garbo Mate or you know Garbo de Boer or whoever it may be yes I believe we can influence people in a very positive way. And I believe that the best way we influence people is to make them to feel that they belong and that they're welcome and there's nothing wrong with them. That's how you do it. And culture and art have this mystery of being able to make people forget and be part of something for a night, be it a panto, be it a short story, be it a reading, be it what it is, because it feeds our soul. It feeds the mystery part of ourselves and gives us relief from the constant uh, journey and, and the hardships and joys of life. So yes, it can change and it can be, but it, it, the forms that it's taken now with, you know, banjo protest or sing-along protest or people coming into Smithfield playing music, la, 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 that's really not where it's at. It's much more about intimacy. It's much more about relationship. And it's in relationship that we do all this healing. So what art does Art brings us into relationship with culture. It attracts us. It attracts us and feeds us and gives us a sense of authenticity and gives us a sense of place, like our home, like Dublin, like the countryside. That's our, that's our placemaking. We identify that, like our physical structure. We wake up and we recognize ourselves. We recognize our streets. This is what happens. And it's wrong for people to be exiled from their homes. We're all trying to get back. And once we get back here, then we have to be able to kind of hold on to what it is that we have here. And we've got something really, really unique. And that unique thing is, is that we, each and every one of us in this country, are carriers 
of what was tried to be lost from the ancient. And we still have possession of that. And we need to pull that straight back in. Not in a cheesy way, not in the way to define way, but in a way that we actually re- not rediscover, but discover the true meaning of who we are and what we are and what we have to offer as a people. And it's not in a public house and it's not in a planning. It's in the music and it's in the sound of that guitar. And I can hear that sound on the street. I can hear it in people's voices. I can hear it in Belfast. I can hear it in Derry. I can hear it in London, Derry. I can hear it in Limavady. I can hear it in Kerry. I can hear it in Limerick. I can hear it in Galway. I can hear it from my own family. It's a constant thing for me. It's a constant moving thing for me all the time. And I think at the end of the day that the arts community and the cultural community of my age owe you an apology and owe you a, a sense of inclusion and a sense of welcome. We have a duty to pass on the culture that we know to yourselves so as you don't feel alienated and you don't feel outsiders. And that's yet to happen. And the obsession around Arts Council grants or cultural status, so to speak, of who's the best actor or who's the best playwright or who's on in the Abbey or who's not. That whole, that whole thing should be fucking annihilated and broken down. What we're looking for is cultural inclusion and cultural democracy. And that's really what we're at here. And that's what I've always been at. You know what I mean? Always been at. And Land Without God, you know what I mean, mm. is about inclusion. And it's about finding our own truth, finding our own voice, listening to what we have to say to ourselves, owning that situation and sharing it. So it's a great sense of sharing is what we need. So when you write a short mm. story, Man McCann, it's about sharing something that's, that's precious and that has full of fear full of joy, you know, full of everything. And you're giving birth to that and that goes out into the world. And where that is performed or where that's written is the sacred place. That's the sacred place. Anywhere where you perform and play music is a sacred place. I mean, move that along, you know what I mean, in many ways. And that's what you don't lose. That's what's really important. Uh, And that's what it is. Uh, uh, And that's what the Arts Council and established artists and the Arts and the Abbey Theatre need to move on. What should have happened is that the Abbey Theatre should have thrown out a major invitation to all of those that had played in the cobblestone to come and play in the Abbey Theatre or outside of the Abbey Theatre. That's what should have happened, that we should have found ourselves playing outside of the Arts Council in a, in a massive way, really, really interesting way. You know what I mean? Um, but this is not about a building. It's not about culture. The cobblestone was about a planning permission. And the other thing is not to be forgotten. Because we know this much, that we've lost lots of arts venues, including the City Arts Centre, that by the way was sold by the very people who were supposed to be guardians of it. The board of that company sold the theatre. They're the ones that sold it. Many, many people who had private wealth bought theatres, made money and sold them along. But the National Cultural Institute's of the Irish Museum of Modern Art, U Lane Gallery, uh, the Piper's Club, all of those places that are heavily subsidised by taxpayers' money should have reached out to the people in the cobblestone and gave them a platform. Not about planning, but about culture and about cultural identity and about a place that actually is safe forevermore to play in and that it's not going to be eroded. 
And this is what we're fighting Lots for. Lots to think about there. Definitely. I think we got to the, at least it helped me understand a bit more of the fight and what it is that's, that's missing, I think. Um, and exactly what you said, making something like a play, a short story for me, is always about making people feel like they're part of something. Like they're not alone. Like they're not left behind. Yeah. Like they're not a weird, just person going through it. That there's something that we're all kind of a part of. And yet you can feel, you know. There's nothing missing. Okay. It's important to remember that there's nothing missing. Everything is to be discovered and rediscovered. And everything you need, you have possession of. You have everything you need to get you to do what you need to do. And everybody else has the same capacity. The system is going to tell you differently. The system is going to close you down. The system is going to tell you. You know what I mean? Like, nobody knows what goes on in Dublin City Council. Even less people know what goes on in the government. They're all tuned into RTE or the BBC or that situation when really they need to be tuned into themselves. The truth to thine own self be true. This is the citadel. This is the bastion. This is where all of the information is for you and for me. And it's from this particular point that we go forward with our culture and with our struggles and with our, our, our challenges. <laughs> to some to some other cause. I, I, I just think this much. There's another way you're playing this tune. Yeah. Okay. There is. And there's more to there's more to the guitar than the three the three chord trick. There's a there's a there's a, a myriad of ways of approaching this. And, and 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 it's waiting there to happen. It literally is waiting there to happen. Yeah. I mean when you consider the protest in Mercy of saving Mercy, which has been going on for donkey's years with all the various people jumping in around, expertise, a- actors, artists, culturalists, planners, developers. Go down to Mercy. It's in an awful fucking state. Why didn't someone go down there and do something decent with it that could have been very simply done? It's like, you know, you, you just beggar's belief. A beggar's belief that they're jumping up about saving Mercy's and you go down there and it's in a deplorable state. And everybody knows this including the people trying to trade there and everything. So it's about time that we decided that we're taking this stage and we ain't moving. We ain't moving. That's what it is. And that's really important. What we're going to do with our lives. This is it. This is, this is the essence of it all. Where you are. This, you're unique. You're a one-off. You know what I mean? And you're not your family. Yeah. Okay. What are you going to do with it? Thank you, Manic. Yeah, what are you, you going to do? But always one thing is important. You mm. always have to go back to that basis, the basis of your past. You cannot be held hostage to your past. Be it your ancient past that was destroyed or your family's immediate past and all of those things that happened in there. You know what I mean? Um, the culture that you were brought up in was very, very fractured. So you grab a hold of a small lifeboat which is our lifeboat, which is the George Bernard Shaw or the cobblestone. But that's not going to last because that, that's not, we need to be on solid ground here. You know what I mean? And that's where we're going from. Solid ground. Okay. Thank you, Mannix. Thank you. Now, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And as always, if you want to stay in touch, follow along on Spotify. You can now subscribe on YouTube where I'll be uploading video podcasts. 
This one, unfortunately, we had some recording issues, so I wasn't able to get the video from it. Um, so it's just audio, but in general, I will be uploading the videos on my YouTube channel if you want to go and follow that at Matt McCann Podcast. All right, see you shortly. Boom!